Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. So over the last uh, several months, um, I've been teaching on the disciples of Jesus. And more currently, I've been uh, covering the Apostle Paul. Up to this point, we covered Paul's early life and his training, uh, his ancestry and youth, his education, his character prior to his conversion, his conversion while he he was on the the road to Damascus and four of his 13 letters of epistles possibly 14 if uh, he wrote Hebrews but before I continue with his letters I wanted to start by first correcting a couple of things I had said in the last study that were brought to my attention um I had stated that 1 Corinthians was written around AD 95. Well, that was incorrect. I don't know why I wrote that, but um, Paul died in AD 67. So unless he came back from the dead, he didn't write it then. Um, It actually was written around the period of AD 53, between 53 and 57. And the other misquote was not that what I was saying was incorrect in itself, but it was in the context that I was saying it. Uh, and it was in uh, Galatians 5.1, which says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ had, um, has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. But, Then if you were to continue, it says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you uh, become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who uh, becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become uh, estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But faith working through love. And when I stated that it had to do with sin. It wasn't sin. It was that um, Paul wanted to address the um, that they had fallen from grace and were still living in the bondage of the law. So he wanted them freedom from that and let them know that, you know, you don't have to live in law anymore. You are freed from that. So, now that I cleared that up, um, so uh, let's continue with tonight's lesson. Uh, last time I covered four of Paul's letters, those being Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and Galatians. Tonight, I want to cover Ephesians. Uh, This was one of the four letters Paul had written while in prison in Rome. The others being Philippians, Galatians, 
and Philemon. It was written in the period of A.D. 60 and 62. Um, Paul is addressing the group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Jesus Christ, but are living as spiritual beggars. You know, downgrading themselves as spiritual paupers. Now, when Paul sees this, he prays for them. And as in Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. Again, that's Ephesians 1, verses 16 through 19. Now, starting with verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Now, Paul, loving the Ephesians as he did, and seeing what was going on, prays for them. First, they grow, I mean, first, so that they would grow in wisdom and knowledge of God. And then next, for their eyes to be opened. And then for them to know God's purpose for their lives. To know the riches of their inheritance as believers. And to realize as Christians, the power they have on their side. You know, Paul desperately wanted this for the Ephesians. You know, first, did you know there was such a prayer we can we can pray for others? You know, it's in an area in our Bibles uh, we can in, highlight and pray for others in this way, praying in a way that who we know who we're praying to. We can we can pray with confidence to know that he's going to answer. Maybe not in the time or way we would want, but one who has our best interest in mind, whose timing is always perfect. You don't have to worry about his timing. It's always perfect. And one who puts the possible in the impossible. You know, sad to say, but I fall short here at times. Um, it's an area in my personal life that I want to grow in myself. You know, as believers, we need to be praying for each other in this way, lifting each other up. So let's continue with the book of Ephesians on to another verse. Um, in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And you... And, um, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you, in which 
you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who uh, now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for, uh, which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There was a lot in there. I was actually planning on doing two books, but there was so much in Ephesians, I didn't want to gloss over anything. Now, Paul is telling them that it's by grace, through faith, and not works that saves us. You know, I I remember hearing many times in the past that if you go to a church and they add anything more to be saved, you need to find another church. Because there is nothing more that anyone needs to do. Christ did it all. What I think is actually cool, there is nothing more we need to do to be saved. Nothing. Only to believe in the Lord Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's all we need to do. And I don't know about you, but I like it simple. I'm a very simple person. That's my wife. And you know, God is a God of order. If things are or seem to be complicated, it probably is because you made it that way. Or Satan is involved as usual. He loves to confuse you and get your your guard off. And you know, and it doesn't matter who or where you are in life. You could be rich or poor. You could be sick or healthy. You could be famous or unfamous. All can believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. Doesn't matter who you are. And you don't need to be a teacher of the word. You just need to accept. Now next, let's move on to see how Paul explains why God created us. Ephesians 4, verses 1 and through 3. Again, that's Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. 
I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering. Now, lowliness means meekness, modesty, and then uh, long-suffering is patient, selfless, accommodating. Now, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond, bond of peace. Now, Paul is reminding them, number one, God created each and every one of them. They are, they are his workmanship, his masterpiece. And each one of us has been created to, were created to do his good works. And they didn't have to do anything to earn it. You know, we don't need our good works to get saved. We get to do good works because we are saved. Let me say that again. Because that actually confused me. We don't need our good works to get saved. We get to do good works because we are saved. It was all given to them by God's grace. Like then, the same applies for us all Christians now. There are so many of us today who don't realize for one reason or another the treasure we have in Christ. We get to a place in our life where we know we need him, that he is the only way to our Father in heaven, and we finally receive him and the gift of salvation, but unfortunately, that's where it ends for some people. And Pastor Joe actually covered some of this on Sunday with the four um, soils. Now, it could be because you don't know there is more to it. It could be just because of ignorance. You just don't know. You're new. Um, and we need to remember that we're God's workmanship. I think we tend to forget that at times. He created each and every one, one of us with unique, uniqueness for a purpose to serve him and to give him glory. And that God has much more for us to do in this life than just receive him. Accepting him is where it just begins, like Pastor Joe said last week. I mean, last just Sunday. And God created each and every one of us with a special purpose, a job to do, with gifts and talents to be used for him. And if we're not doing this, we're not being obedient to him. You know, and we're missing out on the blessings that come with the obedience.
and I don't like missing out on blessings, personally. Now let's move on to another key passage in Ephesians. And Paul explains how to walk in unity by using spiritual gifts. Now that's Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, he is saying to them, we were all created for a uni- with a uniqueness, and we are all created with gifts and talents, as I said, to be used for God's purpose, to bring him glory. You know, talents being those natural abilities we have, and gifts are those of which can only be given or removed by God in his timing and for his reasons. And those gifts being wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, gift of tongues, gift of interpreting tongues, administration, and helps. You know, I'm not going to get into, into this now, but if you want to know what you may have as a gift or talent, you know, you can come see, you know, one of us leaders, one of the pastors, or, you know, you can speak to your friends. I mean, just to see what, what maybe talent you have and don't realize it. But if you really want to know about particular gifts and that that you're not sure about, by all means, come see one of us, you know. But by using our gifts, we can be used to minister to the hurting. A scared or confused, you know, a scared or confused person. You know, to encourage a couple with a struggling marriage. You know, to teach and mold those young minds downstairs. You know, as simple as to pray with one another. And most important, leading the lost soul to Christ. You know, I can go on and on. But, you know, being part of the body is so important. It's just like our physical body. It's like if all of a sudden your hand decided not to work anymore, or your, your mouth, which some people wouldn't mind mine not working. But, um, you know, if all of a sudden it, it kind of puts a kink in everything, and it kind of really throws you off balance, you know. It's kind of like losing your big toe. From what I hear, if you lose your big toe, or it throws you way out of balance. Kind of strange. But, but in, in spiritually speaking, we all have that gift. We all have that talent. And everybody's part is just as important as the hand or the, the brain or the heart or the foot. You know, all of it together as a body of Christ you do the work. You get it done. And 
And you, and you see those many blessings that come along with it. You know, Paul continues to educate them and also talks about walking in love, in the light, and wisdom in both marriage and family. And teaches them about the armor of God. So, to teach, uh, tell you something about the armor of God, uh, Ephesians 6, 14 through 17 talks about that. Again, that's Ephesians 6, starting with verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the bre- uh, breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, girding our waist with truth. I see this as... A cowboy, which I always wanted to be. You know, they, before they go out, before they would go out, they'd actually strap on their guns and go out. And they would not take them off because it was there to defend themselves. It was there to protect them. In the same way, um, spiritually speaking, We are to gird our waist with the truth, with God's word. So when needed, we can defend our faith. Next, we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is to protect the soldier's heart during battle. Now, spiritually speaking, this is to protect our heart when we go out into this world. It's so we can influence the world for God and not be influenced by the way of the world. And it protects our heart from these ungodly influences. Next is to to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In battle, if one was to lose their footing, it could be fatal. So balance and firm footing was essential for survival. So again, spiritually speaking, we Christians need to stand firm, stay balanced in our Christian walk, or it could be fatal. We can fall into temptation and sin. And depending on what it is, can have devastating consequences. Next, we have the shield of faith. You know, it protected the soldier from those arrows shot at them or stones thrown at them. Now, spiritually speaking, 
this kind of faith will deflect those fiery darts that Satan throws at us. Next, we have the helmet of salvation. This protected a soldier's head in battle. Now, as Christians, it will protect our minds from those ungodly thoughts and influences. Now, Rose and I are very mindful of what we try to watch on TV. Our minds are just like sponges. Now, I'm a computer guy. It's what I do for a living. And I see, I've seen some really amazing computers out there. The brain is nothing. You can't even come close to the, the power of the brain. Just amazing. But it, the subliminal, I think I said that right, uh, messages, how they just, and they did like a test on that where they would just flash these things in front of you. And you didn't even see them. It was so fast. Later on, you'd be thinking about those items. That's how quick your mind retains that stuff. And you may not even know it. I found in the past, too, that when I would watch and see what my kids were watching, there were even some things in Disney that were very, if you played it very slowly, some of the things and the messages were in there blew my mind. You know, I'm not saying all of them, but there were some. You know, the same goes for us, just like a computer. We have a saying in, computer, in the computer business, junk in, garbage in, garbage out. Junk in, junk out. So we need to protect what we need to protect what goes in our minds. Because what goes in is going to come out. And lastly, we have the sword of the spirit. This refers to God's word. Like many of us have experienced one time or another, listening to a message, I've heard so many times from people, you know, it sounded like he was speaking or was directly to me. Like the sword in battle, the word tends to cut through the heart, convicts you. It encourages. It can discourage us from doing things we shouldn't do. It also comforts. And what I think is most important, it draws lost souls to Christ. Paul was trying to get this across to the Ephesian people. He wanted them to know that there is much, much more to the Christian walk than just receiving Jesus Christ. Again, it was just where it began, just where it starts. And it's just the beginning. I think many times as, as Christians, and I found myself in the past doing it too, I think we tend to kind of get complacent. You know, we get saved. We're happy. We have fire insurance. You know, we're happy-go-lucky. But we forget that it's just the beginning. And there's so much more we should and should want to do for Christ. There's so much more. You know, and I know there are reasons. Again, I'm not judging people. But, you know, 
just seeing people out there that have been maybe Christians for a while that you know they have these gifts or talents in it, and you just sit very complacent. They come in, and then they leave right away. They don't even, you know, and they're missing out. They're missing out on those things you could be seeing when you're serving. You know, Rose started again with the, the kids downstairs, and I love hearing her excitement, watching the kids light up, watching them learn about Jesus Christ. It's pretty amazing what they know at that age. And what are they, ages around five? They're around five years old. But if she wasn't doing it, she'd be missing out on that. You know, in closing, as Paul was trying to get across to the Ephesians, do we Christians realize what we have as a child of God? Or do we live as spiritual paupers, as we're spiritually poor? Yet we have this treasure with us that we could be sharing and living. And do we understand that there is much more to Christianity than just accepting. That we are God's masterpiece created for special abilities and gifts to be, to be part of and used for the body of Christ to glorify him. And if or when we don't, we are not only being disobedient to our Father, but again, we miss out on the many, many blessings which come with it. I know we probably up here all tend to repeat the same messages, but there's a reason when God just leads us to do so. Because many times they're not, it's because we need to hear it. And like Paul to the Ephesians, if you're one of these people, let me encourage you, it's not too late. You can start serving anytime. So again, I want this to encourage and not discourage or bring you down, but I want to encourage everyone to serve, to find out what your gifts are, your talents, and utilize them for Christ. Be one of the body. Be part of the body of Christ. And be one of those tools that God uses to be a blessing. And then you can see those blessings. So get in the race and get involved. So let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. Every time